Hello, online Kanichiwa. I am your host, Daniel Gumby Freeland, and this is the Prelim Primer, the one and only podcast fully dedicated to the curtain jerkers. I'm talking about those fighting on the prelims of upcoming UFC fight cards. We may have had back-to-back pay-per-views, but we are back in the apex this week for a lackluster, I'm just kidding, it's not lackluster, a pretty darn good UFC Vegas 42 card headlined by Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez. Now, of course, we won't be talking about the main card of that fight card at all. We won't be talking about Yair and we won't be talking about Max because this is the prelim primer where we are just giving you the prelim portion of the card. Now, for those of you who don't frequent the show and aren't sure why we're only covering the prelim portion of the show... The answer is really simple. I'll give it to you straight. The answer is that we know that you guys know who Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez is. We know you know who Big Ben Rothwell is and his submission abilities. But I bet you you don't know a bunch of these names on the prelims. And even if you do, you don't know a lot about them. And that's why we're here to help you. Because whether you're playing daily fantasy sports, betting, want to win a pick'em contest, you need work on the prelims. So that's what we're here for. Now, before we get started with the episode, I did want to mention that this episode of the Prelim Primer is brought to you by the All-Star app. These days, there are more previews, recaps, analysis, and podcasts than you can shake a stick at, and it's all too much. And when you're looking to get that insight to get you an edge, it can be hard to block out that noise from what really matters. And that's why you should download the All-Star app, because they provide you with expert commentary from some of the most respected names in the sports world, yours truly included, and all of that incredible content is packaged in an intuitive, fully interactive app right there in the palm of your hand for free. And there's lots of other great features to the All-Star app that I'll tell you about a little bit later on. But for right now, go to the All-Star app in either the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting the allstar.io. Now, to help me break down these fights this week, I am joined by one of my favorite people to break down these fights with. And that is, of course, the owner-operator of AJMMABetting.com. I, of course, am talking about AJ Shulo. AJ, thanks so much for joining me, man. Uh, thrilled to be here, Dan. It's been a few months since we last spoke. Uh, just excited to talk about this card uh, as we were talking beforehand. Back-to-back spectacular pay-per-views. Uh, just automatically, it's not going to be as high quality a fight night, but there are some still some things to discuss, and uh, we'll break it down for the folks. Absolutely. There are some things to discuss, so we might as well put five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Tiago Moises versus Joel Alvarez. So Moises had a three-fight winning streak. That was snapped by Islam Makhachev back in the main event in July. Alvarez, meanwhile, since losing his debut, has won three in a row, but it's not fought since October of 2020. That was an armbar win over Alexander Yakolev. So uh, the interesting thing for me in this one is that both of these guys love to scrap on the mat. They're both really good at jiu-jitsu. But I'm curious more is what happens if this fight never hits the mat? What if this fight is a striking match? Yeah, that's a very good question because we very well see that. You know, a lot of jiu-jitsu practitioners that are great in that regard uh, respect their their ground games. And I do think we could get a stand-up battle in which I would favor Moises. Um, I think he's more technical. I think he carries some more power. I just like his defense a bit better. Uh, Alves is very susceptible low kicks and counters. Um, I also trust the activity. Uh, You said that with Moises, uh, the younger fighter training an American top team. I also think that his strength of competition has been much, much better uh, coming off a loss to Islam Akashev. As we know, there's no shame in that. The fact that he even went to the fourth round with him is an accomplishment, I'd say. And Alvarez, I mean, yeah, it's, it's cool that he's getting these finishes, but you know, he's getting taken down. He defends takedowns at a rate of 0% and his three wins are against guys no longer with the UFC. So uh, for me, I'm just more impressed with Moises and I think he gets the job done. Yeah, I, I definitely hear you on that one. The interesting thing for me, though, and you mentioned the 0% takedown defense, and, and I think that that's worth noting, but I'll say this. In watching tape on Alvarez, I don't 
know how much he's ever wanted to stop a takedown, which I know it sounds silly, um, because like, you know, who, who just willingly gives up takedowns, but in that Alexander Yakolev fight, Yakolev like initiated the takedown and it looked like he was like, Oh sweet. Cool. We're going to the ground. This is nice. This is where I want to be. And then he had the arm bar in the, in the next minute or so. So uh, you, you could almost say the same thing about when Joe Duffy shot that takedown, Joe Duffy shoots the takedown. Boom. He jumps on that guillotine and he's like, cool, have the takedown. I'm going to finish you. I don't know that you could do that to Tiago Moises, uh, but I also don't know that he's going to just concede it as easily because I'm not sure he wants to be on his back against Tiago Moises. So it's a weird dynamic for me with, with Alvarez. I, I just, I don't know what his game plan looks like in a fight against a guy who is a good jujitsu specialist. Um, because, you know, like he fought Demir Ismagulov and neither guy shot a takedown. So yeah, weird stuff for me here. Uh, but you, you said you're, you're going with Moises. How do you see him winning this one? I think he gets it done by decision. Alvarez seems really tough. All right. And I'm going to differ with you on this one. For some reason, I've got a gut feeling that Alvarez is going to go out there and get it done. I'll take Alvarez. Get this. I'll take him by submission. I feel wild on this one, but I do feel like he's going to get it done. And that brings us to our next fight, which is Cynthia Calvillo versus Andrea Lee. Lee snapped the three-fight losing streak by beating Antonina Shevchenko by armbar. That was back in May. Calvillo, meanwhile, won her flyweight debut. Uh, uh, and since then, his loss to Caitlin Chokagian and Andrea, or uh, Jessica Andrade, rather, the latter of which was by brutal knockout back in September. So, uh, obviously, neither of these two have done all that well lately, especially since Calvillo has come up to flyweight. Both of them seem to be having a difficult time dealing with opponents' physicality. Which do you feel like has the advantage in that realm here? I feel compelled to favor Lee in that regard. The, the more natural uh, featherweight, or excuse me, flyweight, you know, just fought much more frequently. She's also got a couple inches of height on Calvillo. Um, and as you mentioned, they, they both have underperformed recently. I mean, I get it losing to Andrade. There's no shame in that, but it just it's more so how Calvillo looked. You know, she just didn't really give herself a chance to win that fight. Just didn't try to get it to the ground. She let Andrade pressure her, and then eventually, like a lot of fighters, you know, just uh, basically crumbled under pressure. Um, I do think that if Kelvio wants to wrestle Lee, she could probably take her down. You know, we saw Andrea Lee taken down four times by Roxanne Mataferi. That's why she lost that fight. Other fights in the past, like Calderwood and uh, Murphy. I also think that Kelvio is an underrated striker. I, I see an improving, uh, I see improving boxing in her game. She's very like, very much like a finesse fighter. Uh, but I do favor Lee on the feet. She's got some reach. I, I think she's just a bit more polished there. Uh, got just better output, I'd say as well. Um, just comes down to how much Calvillo wants to wrestle. And, and it's not with the utmost confidence because she's, you know, been known not to do it even in matchups where it makes a ton of sense, like against Caitlin Chikagan. So I'm going to hesitantly side here with Calvillo, but I do agree with the competitive betting line. Um, I think that Lee will give a good count of herself and probably make it very competitive. Yeah, I've seen a bunch of people really in on that Cynthia Calvillo line. And, and for the same reasons as you, I'm taking Calvillo here, but I'm also cautiously taking Calvillo here. You know, I think the line is probably a lot closer uh, or a lot, a lot more correct than people are giving it credit for. Cause a lot of people saying she should be a much bigger favorite, but I do think if she can wrestle and chooses to wrestle, she will. Um, and, and yeah, I'm going to take her by decision. Do you, do you think she wins by decision as well? I think by decision, Lisa Brown belt and jujitsu, very tough to finish. I think it goes three rounds. All right. And that's going to do it for the end of our first round. We'll take a quick break and we'll be right back with round number two. All right, guys, one of my favorite features of the All-Star app has got to be the player bios. Say you're looking to do a little research about the upcoming fight between, you know, Max Holloway and Yair Rodriguez. And all you got to do is click on that fight, which is so easy to find. It's right there in their scores tab. 
And not only are you going to get when that fight is happening, but you're going to get the opening and current lines. And the reason I love that so much is because you can see where the sharp money is coming in on. So if all the money is coming in on one side, you know that, that that's like a little extra piece of information for you. You you do it with what you want with it, but it's more information. And it's not just for the betting lines, but it's also for the over-unders, the totals. They're right there for you in the app. And so much more than betting lines. They got full records for both fighters dating back to their pro debuts and so much more. If it's something that you feel like you could use in your tool belt, and I think it is when you go to bet, go download the All-Star app in the Google Play Store or the App Store or by visiting the allstar.io. And we are back with round number two. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about the most exciting prelim on this whole card, and that is Miguel Baeza versus Chaos Williams. Baeza had his undefeated record snapped in his last bout by Santiago Ponzinibbio. That was back in June. He lost a very close decision. Chaos Williams, meanwhile, 3-1 and one in the UFC. He's coming off a decision win over Matthew Samelisberger. That also was back in June. So uh, here's my question here, because Chaos Williams seems almost like he's a guy who's going in there to throw some really big bombs. And at first it seemed like it was bomb or nothing for Chaos Williams. But then he had that really good fight against Matthew Samelisberger. So do you think it's kind of back to when fighting somebody like Baeza, a big bomb or nothing for Chaos Williams? Or do you think he could also outwork Miguel Baeza? Yeah, very valid points because I, I did think Chaos was that type of guy, like a very like power-reliant fighter, relying on getting early finish. But he really impressed me against Samelsberger, who we've seen look quite good in the UFC. Uh, win three rounds. I'm really impressed with Williams's hand speed, um, power as well. He's also got good volume and low kicks. Um, I, I could see him hurting Baeza. You know, we saw Baeza get touched up a lot by Ponzinibbio. He just doesn't have the best defense. Granted, the guy's durable, but then you just go back to the Matt Brown fight where he was, you know, badly rocked. I mean, I could see Williams hurting him. I, I really can. I think that Williams has got the better durability. If Baeza wants to make it an easy fight for him, I really think he should try and take Williams down. We've seen Williams... Uh, looked very questionable on the ground uh, against Michelle Pereira and even on the regional scene. I'm just not certain that Baez is going to go out there and persistently go for the takedowns because that's not really his MO. So I feel obligated to kind of edge Baez here just barely because I think he can make it competitive as a striker. I, I do favor him as a technician. Uh, but again, Williams' finishing threat and hand speed does present a lot of problems. Uh, but if Baez wants to, he could change things up, maybe take it to the ground. So I agree with Baeza being a slight favorite, uh, but I think the biggest takeaway here is what a treat that we get to see this fight on the prelims. I think this could be the co-main event on a fight night card like this. Yeah, I, I agree with you entirely, and I, I 100% agree with that breakdown. You have to be worried about the defense of Baeza. You have to think he's probably the more complete fighter You when you you know factor in the takedowns and all that other stuff. But like, kind of for the reasons that you outlined, I'm going to go with Chaos Williams here. I, I think that that big blow is going to come at some point in time. Um, I don't think it's that or bust either. You know, like I think if this winds up on the feet, like you said, I like his low kicks. I like his hand speed. I like so much about him as long as he's not repeatedly taken down. I think this is his fight to win. And he, you know, has that chance to land the big shot early, even maybe before he gets taken down. So, yeah, I'm going to take Chaos Williams here by knockout. You said you're taking Baeza. How do you see him winning this one? I'll take him by decision. I think that if Pereira couldn't finish him on the ground, that I lean Baeza can as well. All right, and that brings us to another exciting fight, which is Sean Woodson versus Colin Anglin. So Woodson, after the first loss of his career and taking a whole year off, he returned in July and beat Yusef Zalal in a fight where he didn't quite look himself. 
England, meanwhile, made his UFC debut back in July by getting head kick knockout by Melsic Bogdazarian. Uh, obviously, the, the question here for England, a guy who's got a wrestling background, is he had a lot of trouble getting inside on a sniper like Melsic Bogdazarian. Do you think that's going to be a problem for him here against another guy who likes to strike from distance in Sean Woodson? Yeah, in like in a different way though, because we know Bogdasarian, he's just so dangerous and fast. Uh, Woodson just doesn't carry nearly the power that Bogdasarian does, but he, what he does carry is length. He carries volume. He's a good boxer. Um, and Anglin, one thing I noticed with him on tape, and it's even in the stats, he's he's just not the most persistent wrestler. Like he he attempted four takedowns in 15 minutes on his contender series fight, only one against Bogdasarian, which is a huge concern because that fight was not going well for him on the feet. You'd think he'd want to change it up. He does come from a high school wrestling background, a blue belt in jiu-jitsu. We've seen Woodson exposed on the mat, and I wouldn't be surprised if we see it happen again. I just don't trust England to want to close the distance, you know, because of his lack of wrestling. Maybe that was a learning experience for him. But until I see him actually come out there with a wrestling-oriented game plan, I'm just going to assume that he's going to try and stand at range. And that's, I think, why we're seeing Woodson is such a big favorite. I mean, look, I'm not running to the betting window to play the guy. Uh, but do I agree with him being the favorite? Yeah, because it should be contested at range where I got to favor the, the output, the range, just the better boxing in Sean Woodson here. Yeah, and, and you mentioned that he had been exposed with his wrestling, which which he had been a little bit before, especially in that Julian Arosa fight. But I think some of that was him being rocked, too, because he actually did a really good job of defending the takedowns against Kyle Bochniak and, and working in knees and hitting him in the body. And while Kyle Bochniak is no longer with the UFC, he, he was a pretty damn good wrestler in addition to being, you know, having that really fun fight with Zabit Magomed Sharapov. So, yeah, I, I think you're right. Even if Colin Anglin comes in here and tries to shoot a bunch of takedowns, it's questionable that he'll be able to get them or that he will not get need in the face. And in addition to that, I'm not even sure he does. So yeah, I'm going to go Woodson too. I'm not running to the betting window either to, to go get, I've seen negative two, 290 and stuff like that. I'm not looking for that. Um, but I do think he probably gets this one done. Uh, how do you see him getting it done? I'm going to say by decision. I know that England is coming off of a recent knockout loss, but Woodson just hasn't shown to be a big power puncher. Yeah, I'm probably going to go decision here, too. I, I think he probably just picks him apart. And, uh, you know, he doesn't have to empty the tank to try to go get the finish. So I don't think he will. And that's going to do it with the end of our second round. We'll be right back with the last three fights in our third round. All right, guys, the last thing that I'm going to tell you that I really love about the All-Star app is their news feed. If you are the type of person who gets your sports news from social media, stop doing that. There's so much trash out there. Start reading the All-Star app because they use a proprietary algorithm to bring you only the highest quality sports news and you can personalize your feed so that you only get the stuff that you care about. All in one nice, neat little spot, all for free. If that sounds like something you'd like, go download the app in the Google Play Store, the App Store, or by visiting theallstar.io. And we are back with round number three. I'm going to put another five minutes on the clock. And we're going to start this round by talking about Courtney Casey versus Liana Jojua. So Courtney Casey won her debut at flyweight, but since then has lost to both Jillian Robertson and J.J. Aldridge back-to-back. Jojua, meanwhile, one and two in the UFC. Her last loss was to Miranda Maverick. That was by TKO due to a cut in October of 2020. So she's been away for a little bit over a year as well. So my question here. Courtney Casey, especially since coming to flyweight, but even back at strawweight, kind of suffers against people who can go toe-to-toe with her grappling, with her wrestling. She, she's not going to overpower anybody with her hands, but sometimes can out-wrestle people or out-jujitsu people. 
Do you think Jojua can hold her own enough on the mats to win this fight? I think she can, especially because, as you mentioned, you know, Casey, that, that takedown defense has always been just her, her Achilles heel. I mean, that's just been how you, how you beat Courtney Casey. Take her down and control her on the ground. Uh, that's part of the reason why I think <clears throat> J.J. Aldrich got that decision last time, even though maybe a lot of people didn't agree with it. She just left an impression in the eyes of the judges, you know, just getting the takedowns, ending the round on top to where I could see maybe the same thing happening here. Look, I mean, Jojua kind of made Sarah Morass look like Tatiana Suarez in that debut. Maybe she's improved since. Um, I don't really trust her as a submission grappler. I trust Casey's submission game of the two, her Brazilian jiu-jitsu. I think she's more dangerous on the mat. But is it unrealistic to think that Liana could just get this fight to the ground, stay safe in top position, and ride out three rounds? No, it's it's a path to victory for her. I could see it happening. However, I do favor Casey to win. I think she could have success on the feet. She's got a reach advantage here. She's got an output advantage. I did think Jojua looked better, though, against Maverick. You know, even though Maverick ended up winning the fight, Jojua started off that, that round strong. Um, but yeah, I, I agree with Casey being the favorite here. I, I think, though, that her recent outing suggests that she's on a bit of a decline. Um, so uh, kind of like the Woodson matchup, I'm not exactly running to the Benning window to, to play her money line. Yeah, and, and for me, too, I'm glad you mentioned the Sarah Morris fight because she did look so bad in that. But it is worth mentioning she did have to take that fight at Bantamweight before moving down to her more natural flyweight. So I think that size was a big piece of it. Courtney Casey, remember, too, is a strawweight. Now, she was a big-ass strawweight. She was a huge strawweight. But she's still coming up from strawweight. So while she's got a little bit of a reach advantage, I do think I favor the the physicality here of Jojua. And like you said, I think being able to hold her down for three rounds is a real possibility here. So I'm actually going to take the dog Jojua here. And I know I've been picking a lot of dogs here, but I'd like her to get it done by decision. And that brings us to our second fight of the third round, which is Mark D. Casey versus Rafael Alves. Casey lost his two-fight winning streak his last time out. He lost to Rafael, Rafael Fiziev uh, in July of 2020. Hasn't fought since then, so it's been almost a year and a half for him. Alves, meanwhile, made his May debut against Demir Ismagulov, a fight he lost by decision, but also did some breakdancing in the middle, so that was fun. Now, <laughs> my question here... Mark D. Casey, a guy from England, so I feel like we automatically write off his grappling, but he kind of has sneaky good takedowns. My question for you is, does he even want to go there with Rafael Alves, who has tons of submissions? Yeah, that is uh, a very interesting point to bring up about G. Casey, because, yeah, he proves that he proves that point wrong about maybe some questionable grappling and wrestling. Uh, a purple belt in jiu-jitsu uh, just a great athlete. I mean, both of these guys, really, you mentioned the, uh, you know, break dancing move that Alves pulled off last fight against Ismagulov, getting up from a scramble. It was crazy. Um, G. Casey was kind of that guy into the UFC where he was doing all these, like, weird techniques and getting all these knockouts. And then he he lost three fights in a row. And as you mentioned before this recent fight against Fiziev, he was winning decisions because he, he knew that that flashy style just wasn't going to help him long term. And I do see improvements out of him. Uh, Alves, as you mentioned, he's very dangerous. Uh, G. Casey has to respect that threat, similar to what we talked about with Moises versus Alvarez um, of Alves's guillotine choke. Um, when I look at Alves, I see a guy that's very dangerous on the ground and dangerous on the feet. But I just I don't trust him unless if he gets a finish here. I, I think Mark is the better round winner. I think he's the better striker. I think being very competitive with uh, Rafael Fiziev on in a striker's battle ages quite nicely. Um, Mark's got five inches of reach here. I think he's got better output. I think he has more potential to land takedowns under control. Um, there is some risk with him. Of course, he, he has been out, uh, for over, over a year now, uh, looking at his Instagram, he's been putting in some work at the UFC PI. So that's good to see. But, 
Uh, somewhat long-winded breakdown, but basically I think that Mark is the better round winner. It'll be on Elvis to get the finish. I lean that Casey stays out of trouble because he's defensively sound and generally durable. Yeah, I agree with you entirely. I like Mark Casey in this one. I, I think, yes, both the better round winner because of the striking you mentioned, the fact that he's more technically safe. I think as this fight goes, he's going to have the better gas tank too. Uh, not that Alves looked like he had a bad one, but I, I just think Casey's got a better one. So yeah, I'm going to go with Casey here. I'm going to say he gets it done by decision. And that brings us to our last fight, which is Kennedy Zuchuku versus Daun Jung. Zuchuku, three straight wins in the UFC. He last beat Danilo Marquez by TKO back in June. Daun Jung, 3-0-1 in the UFC. He last beat William Knight. That was back in April. So my question for you in this one, Zuchuku, he's a guy who has put himself in some really shitty positions, but yet he's gone on to win all three of those fights. Jung is a guy who I don't feel like puts people in really bad positions. Like he doesn't have like a lot of finishing instinct or at least doesn't feel like he does. So do you feel like he has the right kind of game to like threaten Zuchuku? Yeah, it's it's like something's got to give here, right? Because yeah, Jung, he, he's knocked some guys out. I think he's rather dangerous on the feet, but Njuku seems pretty durable. Um, he gets hit a lot. I mean, for, for a long rangey guy, not the most defensively sound. Um, but I don't really think like Jung outside of just one big shot is going to like, you know, maybe like pass his guard, get a choke or something like that on the mat. Um, and Juku, you know, yeah, three consecutive wins. I- I'm nervous for him though, because especially in his two most recent ones, he was losing handedly early on. And then it wasn't until his opponents gassed, uh, that he was able to weather that storm and pour it on him late. Um, could that happen here? It could, but Jung doesn't seem like he has terrible cardio. I, I think we could agree there. He landed eight takedowns against Knight. A very big, strong guy. I mean, that's got to take some endurance. Um, I like Jung a little bit more here. I think he's a bit sharper on the feet. I know he'll have to deal with some reach, some range. Um, but also, what I, I, I uh, the other thing I like about Jung is he's the party more likely to land takedowns. I don't know if that performance against Knight was a one-off, but that's an improvement compared to what Njuku has shown because he's landed zero takedowns in his UFC and Contender Series career. So, um, I like Jung a little bit more here. He's impressed me a bit more to a guy that's, uh, you know, put his stamp more on fights, uh, dominated them, whereas Njuku has uh, had to weather some early storms. I, I don't think that getting off to a, a slow start here against Jung is going to serve him well. Yeah, I agree with you on that. I do wonder, like, so first of all, I, I think the takedowns versus Knight were impressive, but at the same time, Knight just seemed to keep putting himself in the really bad position over and over and over again. I was like, dude, what are you doing? Uh, but at the same time, you you do have to give it up to Jung for getting that. The, the question for me is, I, I'm just not sure he's going to be able to take Zuchuku down, right? Zuchuku is a guy who notoriously has got really good takedown defense. He, he stuffed uh, Daniel Marquez a few times, which, as we saw shortly, you, I say a few times, he stuffed him 10 times. Um, You know, like as we saw with Danilo Marquez, he dominated Mike Rodriguez, um, who is a rangy sort of striker, but he couldn't do it to, to Kennedy. So I'm actually going to differ with you in this one. I'm going to take Kennedy Zuchuku. I think... He stuffs enough takedowns and his length becomes a problem for Daun Jung, but it's certainly going to be as close as the odds would suggest, which is basically almost at a pick at this point with Jung is just a slight favorite. Uh, how do you see Jung getting it done? I'm going to lean here by decision. All right. And I, I'm going to, I think I'm going to take the knockout here for Kennedy's Zuchuko. I, I mean, like he doesn't seem to win by decisions. He seems like he, he digs himself a hole every time. So I'm going to take him that way. And that's going to do it for the end of our third round. We guys, we gave you guys, uh, seven fights in just a little bit over 15 minutes. I once again want to thank my co-host today, AJ Shulo, who you can, of course, find on his website at AJMMABetting.com or on Twitter at AJ underscore Shulo. AJ, thanks so much for the time, man. 
Thanks for having me, Dan. Uh, good luck to you and everybody listening on the car. Let's do this thing.